please turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16 and we're going to finish the chapter this morning. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active and it is so sharp. Would you use it to cut us and shape us into a people who walk by the Spirit, who bear the fruit of the Spirit, and who impact their community for the gospel. Open our eyes that we would behold wonderful things from your word. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I was in the backyard recently scooping debris out of the pool with this passage running through my mind because when I'm about to preach, that is all I can think about. And I thought, this is the Christian life. When I attend diligently to the pool, the water is clear and it's clean and it's swimmable. When I ignore the pool and leave it to its own devices, the algae is going to win, the water will turn green, the frogs will move in, and it is unswimmable. See the summer of 2021. I can tell you that story another time. Our passage this morning, Galatians 5, 16 to 26, is about the normal Christian life. Okay? This is the normal Christian life. Every Christian lives in the struggle of the flesh versus the spirit. And every Christian has access to the solution, the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is like the water in my pool. 
If I attend to it every day with the net, uh, let's call that the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. And if I make sure that that floater is full of chlorine, and we'll call that setting my mind on the things of the Spirit through Scripture that I've memorized and the promises of God that I'm clinging, clinging to, and if I keep that pump running and the filter in it clean, and we'll call that preaching to myself the gospel over and over day by day, then the water will be clear and clean. But if I neglect the pool and I don't spend time working on it, the water's going to turn, the algae's going to win, just like in our Christian life, in our Christian walk. When we walk by the Spirit and bear fruit that benefits one another, or we can ignore the Spirit, walk under our own power, and then our flesh has its way. So this section of Galatians is for believers in Jesus Christ. It's for Christians. It's for those who have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. It's for those who have been crucified with Christ. The cross of Christ is the only way a person can be made right with God. And we call that justification. And we saw it all over Galatians 2 and 3. The Holy Spirit is the only way a person can obey and follow God. And we call that sanctification. The act of being set apart, of being made holy and more like Jesus. And sanctification is not separate from justification. It's an extension of it. The whole work of salvation that Christ accomplished for us on the cross includes the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The normal Christian life is one of godly, holy living, walking by the Spirit, abiding in Christ. And that's what we'll see this morning. We have a four-part outline this morning where we're just going to follow the Spirit. Part one, walk by the Spirit. Part two, be led by the Spirit. Part three, you do that, you walk, you're led, you will bear fruit of the Spirit. And part four, live by the Spirit. So verse 16, but I say, so we've jumped in mid-argument here, right? That's a weird way to start a conversation. But I say, let's think back to last week where we heard Paul warning this church in Galatia warning them of the dangers of, mis of misusing their freedom. Remember, he said, Christ has set you free and that freedom is yours so that you will serve one another in love. Christian freedom is not the right to do as I wish. It's the power to do as I should. So love your neighbor as yourself. Don't submit to the law again. Paul said, don't go under that yoke of slavery again. Instead, here's what to do. So when Paul says, but I say to you, hear him saying, here's my advice. Here's my apostolic, Holy Spirit-inspired advice. Use your freedom in Christ to walk by the Spirit. Don't live under the law, which is what we call legalism where you're trying to earn your righteousness 
through rules and regulations. Also, don't live without the law, which we call license, using your freedom in Christ to live however you want. The correct and the best way for the Christian to live is with the author of the law. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you'll see that what he wants from you, what he demands from you, lines up beautifully with his good and wise law. But, but this is much more than good advice from the Apostle Paul. This isn't a suggestion. This is a command. And the wonder and the beauty of a command from God is that he creates what he commands. Remember, he said, let there be light, and there was light. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, and the dead man obeyed. Now, he says, walk by the Spirit, and he enables and empowers you to do it. What does he mean, walk by the Spirit? We're going to see in verse 18 that walking by the Spirit means being led by the Spirit. And we'll see in verse 25 that walking by the Spirit means living by the Spirit. But that's all kind of circular, right? Uh, To walk by the Spirit is to go where the Spirit is going, to listen to his voice, to discern his will, to follow his guidance. We know his voice. We know his will because it's here in this book. We are talking about sanctification, about being set apart as holy and living godly lives. And Jesus, while he was here, he prayed for us Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We walk by the Spirit by knowing God in his word and by doing what he says. The word of God is how we know holiness and godliness, and it's how we defeat temptation when the flesh rises up. Never forget that when the Lord Jesus was in the desert, being tempted by the tempter himself, he defeated temptation by saying, it is written. The holy word of God is the sword of the spirit that cuts and refines us and helps us in our battle with the flesh. Walking by the spirit is being being in and knowing the word. And to walk by the spirit is to stay in step, to stay in tune with the spirit. Another way to phrase it is to say, abide in Christ. Stay, remain. Walking by the Spirit is living a life of total dependence on the Spirit. And what is the result of walking by the Spirit? According to verse 16, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That is a promise. Obey this command, reap the benefits of this promise. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The promise is not that the desires go away. It would be nice if it was. The promise is that you will be empowered to not gratify the desires of the flesh. What is flesh? What is Paul talking about? Flesh is our unredeemed humanness. 
It's our sinful appetite. And it has the gravitational pull of the sun, like Todd said last week. It's our urge toward autonomy and rebellion. And it's still there in all of us. God in his sovereign wisdom has seen fit to order the Christian life in this way. We have been redeemed. We have been set free from slavery to sin. We have been justified, but we're not home yet. We're still in these bodies, in these weak, perishable bodies, living faithfully in this life, on this walk toward glory, makes God look glorious. Paul says over in 2 Corinthians, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He goes on, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer selves are wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So when we walk by the Spirit, when we do not feed the sinful appetite that is our flesh, we show that the surpassing power belongs to God. We don't lose heart because this is expected. This is the normal Christian life. We are being renewed day by day, step by step, as we walk by the Spirit. And this life, this struggle is light and it's momentary and eternity is weighty and glorious. So why, why is it imperative that we continually seek to walk by the Spirit? Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The spirit and the flesh are opposed to each other. We are caught in the tension of the already and the not yet. We have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That already happened. That moment of belief, that moment of new birth, the moment you were raised from spiritual death, you were freed from sin. You were redeemed from slavery to sin. You were reconciled to God. But we're not yet holy as we should be. We're not yet perfect as we should be. We are still at war with our sin. It has been defeated, but it's not going down without a fight. Our flesh, our Sinful appetite still has its desires. I still want to gossip about my coworkers. I still covet my neighbor's boat. My flesh still has its sinful desires. And my flesh is doing what it can to pull me down into hell. The Holy Spirit is pulling me up into heaven. Through the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, we overcome our sinful desires. And through the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, we are able 
to focus on serving others. We mustn't forget the context of these verses. Paul is encouraging the Galatians to use their freedom from the law, their freedom from sin to love one another. The battle for us believers is to allow the spirit to lead instead of shutting him down to go our own way. Our own way is fleshly desires. His way is lovingly serving one another. Verse 17 ends by saying, the flesh and the spirit are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The flesh keeps you from doing the good you want to do and the spirit keeps you from doing what the flesh wants to do. So when you're walking by the spirit, the spirit opposes the flesh and you avoid those sins that please your flesh. Likewise, when you walk in the flesh, the flesh is opposed to the spirit and you avoid those righteous behaviors that please the spirit. So what is the liberating truth? Verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. To be under the law, so far in Galatians, we have seen to be under the law is to be under a curse, chapter three, to be under the custodian, to be under guardians. The law was our babysitter. To be under the law is to be enslaved under the elements of the world. It's to be in need of of redemption. To be under the law is to be under the yoke of slavery, chapter five, verse one. When we were under the law, we were not under grace. And that's from chapter six. But now, as we walk by the spirit, as we are led by the spirit, the law is not over us, oppressing us and punishing us. The law is no longer a ladder. We must climb to get to God. The spirit empowers us, energizes us to love one another, which according to verse 14 from last week, is the fulfillment of the whole law. The spirit, not the law, is what sanctifies you, is what sets you apart, is what makes you holy and more like Jesus. The moment you try to produce your own righteousness by following rules and regulations, you you have put yourself back under the law, under its authority and power. It cannot produce righteousness in you. You cannot experience victory over the flesh in this way. Only by yielding moment by moment, step by step, day by day, walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, can you become more holy and more godly. You must choose by an act of your will to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. That is the God-given way to battle the flesh and become more like Christ. Verses 19 to 21 show us the works of the flesh and what it looks like to live gratifying the desires of the flesh. And instead of reading them all again, we can categorize them into four groups. You have illicit sex sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. God has set forth a sexual ethic for us to follow. And he cares that we abide by it. God intends sex 
to be between a man and a woman bound together in the covenant of marriage. Anything sexual outside of that context is a work of the flesh. Anything. From the pornography you looked at last week to the book you read that had those illicit scenes that filled your mind with impurity, all sexual sins are works of the flesh. The second group is illicit worship, idolatry, sorcery. Worshiping anything other than God is a work of the flesh. The third group is the largest largest group. And these eight are all about breakdowns in relationship, enmity, strife, divisions, dissension, rivalry, jealousy. These are unloving acts. These are unloving feelings that we have toward one another. Any hatred, any hostility is a work of the flesh. And then last, excesses, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Excessive drinking and excessive fornication are works of the flesh. There are some vile acts on this list. And there's also division. Disunity. Some sins that we might tolerate and maybe not even classify as a sin. Surely having a clique in a church is not in the arena of orgies or idolatry. But the point is, Sin is sin. It's all evil. It's all gross. It's all vile. It's all produced by the flesh against the spirit. And this list is not exhaustive. That would be impossible. The flesh has a million ways to sinfully gratify its desires. And so Paul adds things like these to say, etc., etc. The list of works of the flesh comes with a sober warning. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is, those who make a practice of these things, those who habitually live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a real threat. This is a real warning. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If your life is characterized by these works, it proves that you're not walking by the Spirit, which proves that the Spirit is not in you and you are dead in your sins. This conflict, this opposition of the flesh and the Spirit is part of all believers' lives, all right? Normal Christian life. We should not become discouraged and think that we aren't Christians if we are engaged in a struggle against sin. The normal Christian life is the walk by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, battling the flesh in the power of the Spirit. On the other hand, if you are not in conflict, if you gratify the desires of your flesh without resistance, I've been praying for you that you would believe, that you would trust Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that you would walk by the Spirit. A jealous Christian, an idolatrous Christian, an angry Christian, a sexually immoral Christian is a contradiction. It's like saying jumbo shrimp or random order. It just doesn't make sense. This Tuesday is a very special day 
in our house. My oldest daughter, Jenna, is graduating from high school. And there are a few other seniors in here finishing this chapter of their lives and preparing to move on and start the next chapter. I have a word for you this morning. The the normal Christian life is a life of struggle. It's flesh versus spirit. It's sinful appetite versus Holy Spirit. There are preachers out there who are lying to you, saying perfection can be yours now, here, today. Don't fall victim to bad theology. Perfection is not attainable in this life. And so, when you struggle, when you are tempted to sin, understand that this is the normal Christian experience. No one escapes the conflict. No one can avoid the struggle. The key is how you respond. Will you give in and use your struggle as an excuse to indulge your fleshly desires? The world is trying to get you to give in. They're telling you that love is love and sex is for everybody and these drugs are legal and my truth is the only truth that matters. Will you give in? Or will you cry to God for help? Will you rely on the Spirit? Will you love Jesus, your deliverer, your rescuer, your redeemer? Will you long for heaven? and the redemption of our bodies? Will you preach to yourself the gospel every morning when you wake up? God, you have forgiven me. You have redeemed me from slavery. You love me, and you are for me. Help me today to walk by your Holy Spirit. Help me not to listen to that other voice in my head, the one who tells me I don't measure up or I'm not worthy of your love. Help me fight my unbelief. I hope you will fight the good fight. I'm going to be fighting for you. Lots of us are fighting for you. It's got to be up to you. You have to do your part. Don't buy into the lie of perfection in this life. Don't use your struggle as an excuse to indulge your fleshly desires. You will struggle until the day you die. God is faithful. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 22, now the opposite of these works of the flesh is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As we walk by the Spirit, as we are led by the Spirit, the Spirit bears fruit in us. You don't produce the fruit. The Spirit produces the produce. Now, I grew up in the church, and I learned the fruit of the Spirit song early on. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And uh, I I learned the fruit. So, okay, I need to be more patient because I am pretty impatient, and God would be pleased if I was more patient. That's how I treated the Bible when I was young, just 
rip any pearl out of there, out of context, and use it to my own whatever. I didn't have any thought about the people around me and how my impatience affects them. The fruit, believers, is not for us individually. The fruit is for all of us corporately. We've been set free to love one another. The Spirit works in us to make us loving and joyful to one another. These fruit are ours as the Spirit grows them in us to benefit one another, to help us love and serve one another. Love is the end of breakdowns in relationships. Joyful people, a community rejoicing the Lord is not one easily given to division and envy. Peace, a peaceful community. There's no strife, there's no divisions, there's no hatred, there's no jealousy. Patience. Patience is the passive side of love. Loving one another by enduring with each other. Kindness. This is the active side of love. Seeking to actively love one another. Goodness. It's your whole character. It's your integrity. Being the same person in every situation. Faithfulness in the context of one another means doing what you say you're going to do. Be a man of your word. Be a woman of your word. It also entails living out your trust in God over the long haul. Long haul, excuse me. The long and winding road. Gentleness is humility toward yourself and considerateness toward others. And then self-control is discipline. And it's given and produced by the Holy Spirit to resist the desires of our flesh. The work of Christ on the cross and the work of Christ rising from the dead and the work of Christ ascending to heaven in order that he might send us the Holy Spirit has empowered us to fulfill the law. And so against this fruit, there's no law, man-made or from God. We believers are enjoyers of the new covenant. If you were in biblical theology class this morning, you went over the new covenant and how wonderful it is that we are here. And so if you remember, the law that was given to Moses and the people of Israel, it was external. It was written on tablets of stone. But listen to how God describes the new covenant in Jeremiah 31. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. God puts his law within us and he gives us new hearts and enables us to follow. That's from Ezekiel 36. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The law is now internal. It's in our hearts. And we are now able to say with David, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. Psalm 40, verse eight. God changes your heart so you will obey him. The spirit produces righteousness in you as you walk by the spirit as you are led by the Spirit. 
And that brings us to verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Was that you? Do you belong to Christ? Do you believe in him? Do you trust him for the forgiveness of your sins? If so, you have crucified the flesh. This is an active verb, meaning you who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. When did you do that? Surely Paul is referencing our memory verse from earlier in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. That verb is passive. Someone other than you, outside of you, did that to you. Now, as you walk by the Spirit, as you are led by the Spirit, as the Spirit produces fruit in you, you are crucifying your sinful appetite, your rebellious flesh, which is striving for autonomy. You are saying, not today, flesh. Today, I walk by the Spirit. Today, I take up my cross and follow Jesus. Our flesh is stupendously stubborn. It knows it's been defeated, yet it rears its ugly head and it must be dealt with daily. We are to walk by the Spirit, not sprint, not F1 race, not Top Gun Maverick, Sonic Boom Flyover. We walk step by step by step. We are being renewed day by day by day. So think back to when you learned how to walk. Anyone remember? I didn't remember either. I remember when my kids learned how to walk. You know how they learned to walk? I reached down and I grabbed them by the hand and I helped them step by step. I dragged them a little bit a few times, but I helped them step by step. Brothers and sisters, we are free to love and serve one another. We walk by the Spirit to bear fruit that benefits one another. Let's do it together. If you're new to the Christian walk, find someone more spiritual, more spiritually mature than you and hold their hand as they help you walk by the Spirit. If you've been walking a long time, grab the hand of someone behind you and help them along. Walk with someone at the same maturity level as you and mutually encourage each other. Let's love one another and serve one another by walking in the Spirit together. And I'm going to try something here, and it's a little out of the ordinary, but I am confident. If you are here this morning and you have believed the gospel for a long time and you would be willing to reach your hand out and walk with someone who is newer to the faith, you desire to see others walk faithfully. I'm not saying you're perfect and you're not saying you're perfect. We all know that we all struggle and this is the normal Christian life. But if you would be willing to help someone in their walk, would you stand up? Praise God. 
Thank you. Now, stay standing. If you're here and you want help walking by the Spirit, you want a mentor, you want a discipler, you want someone just to help you with your struggle, would you raise your hand? Any standards can raise their hand too. Yes, amen. Amen. Okay, look around. Make eye contact with somebody because I have a challenge for you. Before you leave today, before you stack a chair, before you grab a kid out of class, connect with somebody, all right? Set up a time to get together and, hey, what are you going through? What are you struggling with? How can we help each other? Let's do that. Let's walk together. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. So last, part four, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit, which means being led by the Spirit, which results in bearing fruit of the Spirit, which can all be defined as living by the Spirit. The Spirit is the prime mover. He is God's own response to the problem of the flesh. Sin's reign is over, having been defeated by Christ on his cross. The effect of sin in our lives as believers is negated by the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in and through us. But what Christ and the Spirit have brought about, the believing community must actively participate in. We must walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. It is impossible to remain neutral. The Holy Spirit helps us when we depend on him and we have a choice to make. Flesh or spirit, right or wrong, good or evil, my way or God's way. Paul knows Paul knows we have an ever-present tendency to slip back into fleshly thoughts and words and deeds. And so if we develop a wrong opinion of ourselves, that is, if we become conceited from verse 26, and we manifest these sinful attitudes and actions toward one another, so we've become conceited, so now we're provoking and envying one another, we are not living like those who have been crucified with Christ who are keeping in step with the Spirit. I've said it 29 times so far, I counted. Walk by the Spirit, 30. How do we do that? You live the Christian life the same way you started the Christian life, by faith. The way in is the way through, we've been saying all through, all through Galatians. Our response to sin at our conversion, which was confess and repent, must be our response to sin daily. Confess and repent. The gospel is not a one-time ask Jesus into your heart prayer type thing. It is the power of God unto salvation. And it is the power to keep in step with the spirit. God does things in us. That's my theological sentence for today. God does things in us. We believe, we trust him that he'll keep us. We trust him that we'll wake up tomorrow still believing. And when your belief wavers, confess that to him. 
Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Count on him to keep his promise that when you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And remember, this takes time. Paul talks about walking, which is a slow way to get anywhere. And he talks about the Spirit bearing fruit, which is slow. This isn't the microwave popcorn of the Spirit or the cup of noodles of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is slow. This is a long obedience in the same direction. Daily, walking by the Spirit, loving and serving one another as we head to glory. Maybe you think of yourself as so far gone, but there is no hope for you. Maybe you have given in to the struggle so consistently that it's not even fair calling it a struggle. You might even say that you're addicted to one of these works of the flesh. Just as addictions don't start overnight, defeating them doesn't generally happen instantaneously. Of course, God is free to miraculously do whatever he will. Generally, freedom is won step by step, day by day. We defeat besetting sin slowly, one step at a time. Tonight, turn off the TV instead of watching that show that satisfies your appetite for sexual immorality. Instead, go on a walk on this beautiful summer evening and go with a friend and ask them how their weekend has been. This afternoon, put down your phone instead of scrolling through and satisfying your appetite for envy or jealousy or anger or division. Instead, take your kids to the park. Invite another family along. Ask them how you can be praying for them. The key to defeat sin is not simply just say no. Now that's helpful, but it's temporary. You can say no with your mouth, but still want the thing with your heart. You have to replace the desire with something greater, with something better. Jesus is better. Loving and serving others is better. When you pull a weed, the best way to keep that thing from coming back is to plant something good in its place or to cover it with some beautiful bark. Replace the thing that feeds your appetite with something better and do it every day. Pray first thing in the morning, Lord, help me today to walk by your spirit and go to his word and spend time with him and grab someone's hand and walk along with them and count on God to keep his promise. Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do you know when you're walking by the spirit? Well, now you're loving when you used to be angry in that situation. You're joyful when you used to be mopey. You're now patient with your dog or your kids or your coworkers who chew too loudly. The fruit is the proof. When you use your freedom to love and serve one another, you know 
you're walking by the Spirit. How do you know an apple tree when you see an apple tree? By the fruit, it grows apples. How do you know a Christian when you see one? By the fruit the Holy Spirit produces in them. We can love and serve one another by acknowledging the fruit we see in each other. Tell Amy Lewis you appreciate the joy you see in her every Sunday. Oh, where'd he go? Tell Roger Buskers how kind he is to you every time he greets you. Tell Annie Peterson how you appreciate her faithfulness brewing coffee for us every week. Tell Mike and Todd and Anthony and Joe and Josh and Rob how much you feel and see the love that they have for all of us. Look for opportunities to acknowledge the fruit of the Spirit in each other. I mentioned earlier, another way to say walk by the Spirit is to say abide in Christ. And what I meant is that Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the normal Christian life. Cling to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus and walk by the Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your help and I thank you for your word. And I pray that you would help us walk by your Spirit. That you would help us to love one another and serve one another, and encourage one another. And thank you that you are faithful. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.